Good morning, comrades, and welcome to another week of Workers' Power with your hosts, uh, Bill and Calypso. Well, today on the show, we, we, we've got uh, some workers' actions, and, we, and we'll talk about those. No, no special guests, but I, I do, we do have a special guest in the studio. Who's our special guest? That's you. That's me. Yeah, yeah. Cause I'm I, special. Yeah, because, but no, it's mainly to do with uh, uh, your coverage of the uh, the uh, 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 ground, uh, the land forces uh, uh, conference. Uh, yes, I was there last yeah, week. Yes, and there's some quotes in there that I want to remind you of that was excellent radio at the time. So we'll be talking about that. Um, and uh, and some some uh, as I mentioned, workers' actions uh, from across the continent and around the world. Right. Oh, uh, well. Uh, before we go any further, we uh, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yagara and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge all First Nations comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognition, reparation and land rights. We live and benefit on stolen land. It's time to pay the rent. Right, and uh, our first first up, we'll uh, be chatting uh, a little bit about some uh, uh, First Nations workers' action. Now, um, the the first one I wanted to talk about. We've been talking a, a lot, a, a bit uh, lately about. Now I'm trying to. Uh, there's a, a, an acronym that that keeps popping up. CDP. Um, I want to know what it uh, actually stands for, but what it, what it stands for is uh, indentured slavery of our First Nations people. That's what it does stand for. But wow. Yeah, yeah, but uh, well, well, it's nothing new. But uh, what's what's ha- happened is that uh, the the CDP it will end. Uh, the, it's uh, so the First Nations Worker Alliance uh, announced that uh, that, that uh, it's. Uh, they they've won their their battle to get the the, the CDP um, cancelled and uh, the new program will be co-designed with the Indigenous Australians to better support job seekers to find and secure work. Um, CDP uh, oh, First Nations Workers Alliance aren't sure how this uh, co-design process will be rolled out or who the Indigenous Australians will be that take part in the process. Uh, so they'll keep an eye on that. I just wanted to... I've I, I, I seen this come up uh, from First Nations Workers Action uh, uh, a, a fair bit on our show over the last few weeks. So I just wanted to uh, highlight that there's been some um, uh, uh, movement in that field. Um, so hopefully the, uh, the government is actually listening. I want to be optimistic but I am a little bit suspicious that whatever replaces this system is going to be just as bad or it's still gravely lacking in uh, its its goals and what it's actually trying to do. We know the job seeker system doesn't actually exist to help people find jobs. It's to keep people in poverty. So, um, especially First Nations people. So I'm a, bi- I'm a bit suspicious, but obviously a lot of fighting has come to overcome this CDC, so... Yes, that's right. And uh, the uh, just a closing statement from the um, from the First Nations Workers uh, Alliance. Uh, they've got. They know there are many journeys that need to um, that need to be taken, but they need to be taken together. 
and their, their fight for uh, wage justice uh, isn't finished. And, and they need support of uh, all workers. But uh, if you're a First Nations worker, um, uh, we uh, are here on Workers' Power, we say uh, you should uh, get in there and join the First Nations Workers' Alliance and, uh, and stand up and fight back. Right, so uh, we're, 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 um, we're still on uh, First Nations Workers' Action and we've got a story here today. Uh, we've got a story, a WA, a Western Australian Eviction Prevention Service facing closure after funding ends. This uh, comes from The Point um, and written by Sarah Cullard and Karen Michelin-Moore. And uh, you can talk us through this one, Calypso? Wadjuk Nuna grandmother Patricia Williams knows the importance of a safe and loving home. She was stolen from hers as a young girl as part of generations of children taken under Western Australia's government policies of the day. I was four years old when I was taken away. As they came to take us, my dad was fighting the law because he wanted his kids back, Mrs Williams said. My memories of that day are still so vivid. I have flashbacks waking up in this place with complete strangers, being abused, put to work at five years old and not knowing what a cuddle is, being flogged. It's why the threat of eviction from her current home of 11 years in Perth's northern suburbs feels so terrifying. My house represents my family and being comfortable and being safe. Being happy because we're together, where we're safe and where we're looking after and caring for each other, she says. Up to a dozen people at a time stay here. Cousins who live on the streets come home and stay with me. When they're feeling unsafe, my grandchildren, the home is the stability for them. But two years ago, she became unstuck. She became overwhelmed with trying to manage everything and retreated. The risk of homelessness was imminent. I was in a situation where I was going, I was in my room and I didn't want to come out of my room, she says. I couldn't deal with nothing. And I was saying if I'm going to live on the streets, I'd better be planning for it now or thinking about it. But I just preferred to go into my room and lock myself in there and not deal with anything, with anybody. It's the stress about everything, the inspection, the bills and keeping my rent up to date and just trying to keep on top of everything. She felt she had nobody and no choice but to eventually end up on the street. That is, until she started talking to Jenny K. Shigan, the director of the First Nations Homelessness Project on social media. The project stepped in as it has for 344 families in similar circumstances on the precipice of eviction over the past six years. Its founder, Mrs. K. Shigan, says it boasts a 97% success rate in preventing evictions and with it homelessness and child removals. That's why she doesn't understand why the project's funding has been discontinued. It will close within weeks if the federal or state government doesn't step in. It doesn't make sense. This is a project with a huge success rate and an unusually high success rate because it's so tailored to meet the actual need, she says. She said the federal government's decision to revoke $1 million in funding after funding the program since 2017 came as a shock. It doesn't make any sense. Community can't figure out, our families can't figure out, our staff can't figure out why this is occurring when we are delivering exactly what is required to be delivered. Two years on, Patricia Williams credits the service with saving her life. They helped me stay in my home and they took that stress away from me, that heartache, you know, she says. I've been 
I've begun to heal both physically and mentally. I've come out of that room and started helping myself, and they've encouraged me to do that and stood by me to do that and to continue to do so. That's so important. And I thank them from the bottom of my heart for that. She has issued a plea to the federal and state governments to step in and fund the program. In my situation, I thought I had nobody to help me, she says. So, you know, we really need First Nations homelessness people. We really need the government to support them and to get them funding. In a statement, the federal government said the First Nations Homelessness Project had received $4 million in funding since 2017, but improving housing and homelessness outcomes remains a state responsibility. The National Indigenous Australians Agency said the original funding was to fill a service gap to support Aboriginal housing clients, and the Western Australian government is now launching a similar service. The WA government says it has invested more than $100 million a year in the specialist services and programs for people experiencing or at risk of homelessness. Right on, great story um, from from uh, this perspective of Patricia, but uh, even better that she's standing now in solidarity um, with uh, First Nations homelessness and saying, hey, they helped me. Um, uh, For they, many people, it can they, be the difference between life and death. That's right. And look, I, I've always talked about how uh, there, there should be more services on, on, on how... Uh, for, for all 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 workers, um, you know, if you, if you're having trouble paying paying the rent, you know, you're having trouble doing your taxes, you're having, um, or you know, troubles with life. There should be uh, community places that uh, you you reach out to and you can you Absolutely. know get mutual aid and uh, you know people in the same same uh, uh, predicament as yourself and you can. Uh, um, you know, work through through your problems because you know, like uh, if you if you go uh, at the start of the uh, at the thing, you know, the, the start of the story, you know, lots of people um, use use her home as a uh, let's call. It a She's refuge. helping it's a other family. people in it's her community re- as yeah, well. It's a community and the whole community refuge. is benefiting. And then and then when she it, it overwhelmed her, you know, you, the the the, ev- the small amount of evidence that it's in that article, she she dipped into to a bit of depression, you know. It, uh, so the, 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 this is where workers need help the most. Well, you we've know? all been in that situation That's where right. we've felt completely overwhelmed, and all we could do is like lock ourselves in our room and not deal with it. It's difficult when you're alone, which is why we need services like this to help people when they're in that situation, because you can't fight that alone. No, no, you need, you, you just need to, and through through Anti-Poverty Network, which we're going to be talking about a little bit about later, is, is um, we've had a little bit of experience. It, it takes, it, it's a very resource heavy um, helping out uh, in, in this, this area, um, but uh, we, we, we've even mowed someone's lawn and got them stopped them from being yeah. evicted and and there was another one uh, that that we helped out all they had to do was um they raised or we raised some concerns for them and then all of a all of a sudden the department of housing found that that uh, uh the 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 worker was um like about um two, three months in in front in the rent 
Yeah. So they use it's that money. It's amazing that they'll start paying attention yeah. once people get involved, once you have backing That's from the right. community. Yeah, once you've got a, yeah, someone there to support you, boom, all of a sudden things are getting done and, and uh, um, your predicament looks a little bit better. But when you're on your own... Um, and uh, and you and uh, one one thing that just comes to mind is is sometimes putting things in writing. See, that's what that's what we try and do. We send an email. You put things in writing. See, if you make a phone call, uh, the person on the other end of, uh, of that call knows that there's there's no obli- legal obligation. They hold you all know, the power in that situation. That, yeah, but you can flip that by making an email communication, and uh, then you yeah, have receipts. Yeah, yes, that's right. You know, so. Um, yeah, or better yet, get in contact with Andy Poverty Network, which we'll be talking about later on in the show. Or if you're uh, First Nations, uh, you know, get in touch with uh, First Nations homelessness. Right, so, um, okay, before we move move on, I know we were going to talk about uh, uh, the... the um, the rally last week and the, the disrupt land forces action, but uh, there's actually uh, something else that uh, that I I, I I nearly forgot all about it was it's someone's birthday today. Whose birthday? It's the show's birthday. Oh, happy birthday! So happy Workers birth- Power. Workers Power is now two years old. We you know we we've been renewed for another grid. Um, so yeah, two years uh, we've been. It doing used to this. be called something else. Yeah, didn't it? it used to be the workers' hour. So when we when we started off, um, yeah, we. So it was a one hour. It was show. one hour show. Nine nine a.m. It used to be where Art Cart was, and uh, we were just like uh, so. It was Fer- Fergal and I, and uh, and we we found that that first grid. We we were just rushing through. We an hour wasn't enough. We weren't talking about everything that we wanted to talk about. We weren't playing all the songs that we wanted to play. Um, so we, we felt that, that, that two hours... Uh, there's some shows that do three, and there was talk of three hours. Or, no, no, I'm glad we didn't go down that path, especially um, how how draining um, the show is to produce um, was during COVID. Um, and doing it on your own for three hours is a lot. I've, I've done some three-hour shows where we, uh, we've had a special or something like that, um, but uh, two hours is perfect for us. Um, to, like workers' power is a better name, anyway. It is. It is. It's a much better name. So, uh, yeah. So it's it's been two years, and uh, look, I, I did. I, I had a chat with Fergal during the week, and uh, we were going to record. We organised a Zoom meeting and that, and we were going to record a little bit of a, a, a thing, but. We just had the t- most terrible connection. It just would have been terrible radio, so we didn't bother. But uh, we don't do terrible radio no, here we on Four Triple Seven. We no. only do the best radio. All oh, right, yeah, high quality. <laughs> and uh, but Fergal sends his regards. He he's at the, in in France at the moment, continuing his studies. He's still um, he's still a, a UQ student. Really, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's still he's studying online. Um, so he's doing his thing, and also uh, he he's he's found his uh, uh, you know activist group that he's he, he's um, he goes out to um, they've got a different makeup of their unions and their activism and and also their workforce and uh, he he was telling me how that there's there's large warehouses you know with st- staff of like two thousand people working in there and they'll 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 have a little activist group themselves. Like so, the workplace has got a like so they got the union, yes. Yeah. 
but they've also got an activist group as well you know so, that's really important yeah yeah so there's all you know and uh um, yeah, yeah, they, they, he's trying to organise with the workers, as as we know Fergal would be. But, uh, yeah, it was good to catch up. But uh, a bit disappointed we couldn't uh, record uh, something special for, for everyone. But, uh, um, as I said, he sent his, his regards. And, uh, shout yeah. out to Fergal. Shout out to I've Fergal. I've never met you, but I've heard a lot about you. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, well, well over two years ago we, we started here. I, I, I had no radio experience. I, I had as much radio experience... Two years ago is what you do now. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we, we, we were very green. But uh, through the support of uh, the, the station, we've uh, kicked on. And, um, yeah, now two years in and uh, uh, doing wonderful things with, with uh, you, know, uh, in, you know, even intersecting with other shows and um, stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's been really good. Now, there's also another... Um, there's also another milestone. Um, now, a year ago... Our, our friends, uh, or our comrades, Worker and Parasite, released uh, the, uh, the track Crisis. So we're going to give that a spin, but also we wanted uh, everyone to um, stay tuned because their, uh, their, their uh, social media has, um, um, has started uh, poking, poking up and, uh, and you know how bands try to uh, make a little Could bit of interest. Could there be a new release coming soon? Well, well, notice is, attention party members, the anniversary release of... Uh, uh, no, no, this this is a different one. So the, the, this is about the the, the um, track crisis. Attention, party members! The anniversary of the release of the sanctioned inaugural work crisis has arrived. All party members are required to consume and disseminate this work for the advancement of party goals. It's a requirement. You've heard it here That's first, right. folks. But uh, also um, on on the fifth of June. So that was on sun on Sunday. There was another announcement. Attention party members, the musical group Worker and Parasite on the instructions of party officials have been producing new material for training and live performance. The Ministry of Information has deemed it wise to introduce the band members to the wider party. So we're, uh, and, and they're, they're introducing the guitarists and, and stuff like that. So... Uh, right, so before we we move on, we wanted to um, definitely talk about uh, the uh, disrupt land forces and um, uh, and the uh, the uh, action that that happened last week. And uh, I'll, I'll, first off, thank you. That was some great radio last week, Calypso. It was really fun. I'm glad I got the opportunity to do it and to be there. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself because it just sounded uh, great. And there was a, a quote that I even seen the station manager uh, use it, that you were talking about. Someone got arrested right right in front of it. Can you, yeah, can you talk okay. about that? Yeah, okay, so it was, it was pretty quiet. I was uh, prepared for you to call in from the studio. So I, I kind of arranged for a couple of people who were confident talking on air to, like, be nearby so I could grab them when you called. Um, so, I, so I had Sam Watson and Andy Payne near me. But then right as you actually called, something happened. Uh, Andy and Sam both uh, turns their attention over to this, this new person in a suit who I'd never seen before, who was kind of kind of had this smirky smile on his face, uh, who was getting into, I believe, an Uber or a taxi. And, and they said, is that, 
is that Chris Pine? And I was thinking Chris Pine, the actor. But no, that was Christopher Pine, former defence minister. Um, so they, they both kind of like took off in that direction. Um, and then uh, Margie Pastorius, who we've had on the show, jumped in front of his car to stop him from leaving, uh, which prompted her to get tackled by like about 10 officers and there were more officers surrounding there was so many cops at this protest it is genuinely the most amount of police officers i have seen in my life and that's that's like including invasion day i'm saying there was cops surrounding the entire convention center building and they were like 10 centimeters apart forming this impenetrable uh barrier around the building and i say impenetrable but there were actually a couple of times throughout the expo that protesters managed to uh infiltrate into the actual exhibition building um so we've we've got a couple of of photos online that you can check on the land forces facebook page of uh protesters standing on tanks and other drones and weapons inside the exhibition center with signs as cops try to try to get them down yeah yeah i've I've seen that footage then and there was some uh well, like you, you got some great footage here on Four Triple Z, you know how. Oh, it was Lucas perfect Bauer. timing. It was and right then, when the action was happening. Yeah. Was when you called me. And then, and then there was some some great stuff on Brisbane Lines Radio Reversal uh, covered it, and also um, uh, we, Andy Payne is he 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 he's the host of Paradigm Shift. So that they, that um, uh, was uh, related as well, and I, I think I'm pretty sure it he talked so about it. It made me so happy when you played "Don't Kill People." Yes, yes, I I, I chucked it in right at the end, and uh, and uh, we also uh, we had we uh, Christopher Pine got Scallywag of the Week. Yeah, yeah, because I, I I I remember you know he was a uh, the defence minister, and he was the self proclaimed fixer within the 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 um morrison government he fixed things and he was a fixer and he was he had this evil smirk on his face yeah yeah. so and and then what he was defense minister and then uh um lo and behold he now he works for some you you know arms producer and you know what a coincidence you know like ah you know so uh yeah we we thought that uh, and and just to comment on, on on what you were talking about with the police, well, I went I went down there and uh, after the show last week, and and it, like I, I, know, I knew a fair people there. Um, they're all non-violent direct activists. They're yes. all non-violent. All of it, you know. There you, was um, from the actions that I could see, there was drawing chalk and yeah. there was uh, making a lot of noise yeah, and noise. holding banners. Um, it, w- it was very non-violent, but they were very heavy on the police for this particular action. And you could tell the cops were actually getting pretty wild, riled up. After the first day, they started uh, picking up protesters as they moved between the convention centre and Yagura Hall. Um, just just intercepting them while they were uh, not surrounded by a crowd. Uh, picking, yeah. picking them off one by one. I'm grabbing them, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh to arrest Marge, oh, 
hardly, uh, you know... Uh, they uh, used a lot of force. Uh, I watched as she was pushed to the to the ground, to the concrete, and then handcuffed be- behind her back. She had more than one cop on her. She had, like, like I could barely, like, see her body. I just, like, saw, like, her handcuffs. Like, they were crowding her. They were swarming her. Um, and then they, they shoved her away, and then a little while later they brought her into the back of the police van. Mm. Mm, terrible. I, I, she's I, okay now, though. She's uh, Yeah, good. That's good. Uh, well, um, yeah, some, some good work in, in, in highlighting this issue. And, and she it, wasn't the only one who was arrested. No. I, um, I, yeah, Aboriginal yeah. elder Uncle Coco was also arrested. That's right. And... Uh, like a handful of people over the course of the expo. I noticed that uh, um, a Dani activist um, got got used his white privilege and uh, Ben Pennings uh, uh, got used his white privilege and and got inside and and caused a bit of a a, a small ruckus. But he, even he was uh, um, uh, what's the word? He, he overshadowed and he was proudly overshadowed by the activists that you were talking about who hopped up on the tank. He, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, good action. And look, the 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 main thing I heard John Ashree mention it, and uh, and others mention it that hopefully, if if anything, the the that we can get uh, out of it is that the uh, organizer organizers of this realize that the workers of Brisbane aren't gonna gonna let this happen quietly, mm-hmm. and uh, they won't have it here again. You know, so I definitely don't think they'll be having it here again. Yeah, so they they used to have it in Wollongong, and they they got it shipped out of there. Um, they're going. I think they were going to try and have it at Springfield or something like that, and uh, th- that that was quashed. But uh, um, yes, uh, it's uh, you know good action on on um, workers uh, standing up for uh, um, yeah, yeah, to not have uh, these uh, uh, war uh, monger conferences. Right, uh, we uh, should get onto some uh, workers' action now. Um, First off, we've got some stuff here from uh, United Workers uh, Union. Um, can you? Qu- that's a short one. Can you read that one for us? And I've got another one here that I'll look while you're doing that. Union win! After almost six weeks on strike, United Workers Union members at McCormick voted to accept a new offer from the company. For five years, McCormick has worked to slash hard-won conditions and offered a 0% pay rise. After almost six weeks on strike, McCormick workers have managed to retain all the conditions and won a fair pay rise. The offer includes retaining all previous conditions the company wanted to remove, including the four-day-week roster, 9% pay rise across three years, and $5,000 sign-on bonus. From the start, workers knew this was bigger than just one site. This has been a fight for respect for all essential workers who toiled through the pandemic while their companies made massive profits, only to be told that there was no money for a pay rise and that workers had to accept what they were given. But McCormick workers drew a line in the sand and said enough is enough. This win has shown that when workers stand united, they can win. Right on. This right is on. awesome. From a zero percent pay rise to a nine percent pay rise. Right on. That's it. You don't you don't fight, you lose. And uh, those uh, workers stood up, fought back, 
Now, there's another um, story here to do with the United Workers Union, and it's old El Paso. And so uh, they're, they're in the midst of their struggle. Uh, the workers that make well-known brands such as Old El Paso and Latina Fresh Pasta have started an indefinite strike action to fight for p- fair pay, for, to fight for a fair pay rise and secure work. Their employer wants to slash rights and conditions, pushing them to work on, on their weekends when they'd normally spend time with families. They refuse to give them permanent roles and offer low pay roles with no back pay. Gen- Shame. General Mills is one of the largest food manufacturing companies in the world and made more than $26 billion in 2019-2020. Workers at General Mills manufacturing site in Rudy Hill, New South Wales, have experienced rampant casualisation and low wage growth. Throughout 2020 and 2021, as essential workers, they worked extra long hours to keep up with massive increases in demand during the pandemic. They thought this would mean that General Mills would listen to their demands, but they have admitted they were wrong. Many of them have been at General Mills for more than 10 years and they've helped the company grow and become very profitable in Australia. Despite this, many of their casual labour hire co-workers have been in insecure work for more than five years and desperately want a good permanent job. So, uh, yeah, I think they're into their sixth day of striking now and uh, they've got a, a petition on, on the United Workers uh, Union Facebook page for, for uh, workers uh, uh, of all industries to sign uh, and show solidarity. They're probably going to have to strike for a while, but I believe they can win. We've had a bit of a, a streak on workers' power reading out good stories about strikes winning. Well, that's right. And with the United Workers Union, there was also the tip-top one, but we reported on that. Uh, a couple of, uh, I think last week or the week before. So there was a win for workers at, at Tip Top. And uh, yes, uh, some, some good stuff being done by uh, um, United Workers Union. This is building momentum. That's right. So uh, yeah, solidarity with those workers. And uh, yes, um, we will um, keep you up to date where we can. Right, we'll move on to uh, some more uh, workers' uh, um, action. And uh, we've got some uh, hospital workers. So uh, last Thursday, AMWU, ETU, PPTEU and CFMEU members were outside Matter Hospital in South Brisbane taking action to keep pressure on Matter to come back with a fair offer. The members voted to withdraw their labour for the rest of the day due to matter putting out their substandard agreement to vote. Solidarity with those brave comrades. Now, um, uh, I noticed that uh, a comrade uh, that I know, uh, Rick uh, Luke, is uh, Ricky Luke, is out there. I might uh, try and make contact. Uh, he's out there organising for the AMWU. I might make contact and see if we can um, get more of a story for in the incoming weeks. So, uh, stay tuned. A few uh, unions there standing up and fighting back. Right uh, now, um, moving on, we've got a, a story here. Downer workers strike for permanent jobs, and this comes from the Green Left uh, Weekly, Sue Bolton. Calypso, can you read us through that one? Workers at Downer Group's Pakenham East Rail Depot 
and Stabling Yard in Melbourne, who had been on strike for three weeks for secure jobs, have managed to force the company to agree to some of their demands. They build the new high-capacity trains. The workers took strike action for full-time permanent jobs after bargaining for a new enterprise agreement had dragged on for 12 months. Downer Pakenham members set up a 24-hour picket, which ended at midnight on May 27 when the first Victorian COVID-19 lockdown began. Workers at Downer's Newport Depot also took industrial action. The Newport and Pakenham sites are covered by the same enterprise bargaining agreement. Around 180 workers at the two depots are members of the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union, the Electrical Trades Union and the Rail, Tram and Bus Union. Downer has been promoting casual and supplementary labour rather than employ workers on permanent full-time contracts. Companies use casual contract or fixed-term workers to replace the full-time permanent staff, not supplement it. Workers at the Pakenham site said that supplementary workers are even given training and supervision before permanent workers. Enterprise bargaining agreements usually include a clause stipulating that supplementary workers should only be used as a secondary workforce, with a limit of six months whenever possible. After this, they should be offered a full-time employment contract. Contract workers at Downer want permanent jobs. Negotiations have resumed since the strike. Since the strike, the company has indicated that it would make, although not all, workers full-time, and that the 36-hour work week will get phased in. However, negotiations are ongoing. No agreement has been reached yet. If no agreement is reached, workers have indicated that they are prepared to take industrial action again. Financial support for Newport Downer workers has poured in from other workers, including those at Metro Tunnel, OI Glass, CUB and union officials. Right on. Lots of strikes happening at the moment. Yeah, that's it. Well, uh, yeah, the, the the bosses are using COVID as a, as an excuse not to put up pay rises and the economy and all this. Whinge, whinge, really. Whinge. It should be the other way. Hey, the workers are the ones who have been suffering through COVID nineteen. Right. They're that's the reasons right. that we've been able to get through COVID nineteen. We're we're hearing things, uh, you know, and and, and we're, we're even celebrating, but uh, we're 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 marking it as well that. That some of these some of these celebrations are over three percent pay rises, which which yeah, is barely anything, ba- barely covering inflation and the and the rising cost. They're of not women. asking much. No, no, no. They're not asking much at all, and uh, yeah, they just want their fair share, um, uh, you know, uh, of of the the uh, profits. Um, so. Uh, Good on those workers, and uh, we'll. we'll um, there, there, there seems to be, uh, you know, twenty. There's a twenty-four hour picket, and to pity these things are happening. The old El Paso picket is is in Sydney, and this one is in Melbourne. We need one in Brisbane. That's why I I, I touched on the um, the one at the hospital, Matter Hospital. Absolutely, so, it's time um, for Brisbane workers to strike too. We got to build momentum. Yes, that's right. And uh, here's a hot tip. If uh, if you're out on strike, uh, w- w- there might be half a chance that uh, we might broadcast live from the picket line. Hot tips from Bill Story Smith. That's right. We yeah. might prote- uh, film the protest live. Yes. Record it. Yes, that's right. You um, could be on the radio, on the best station in the galaxy. 
we're uh, up to uh, the point where we're up to international workers action now um yeah uh, um jackson hasn't been feeling well but he's uh, found us uh, the uh Probably he, he's pretty good at finding, um, you know, the up-to-date stories, and he's got one on Myanmar here, and it's uh, the r- rise of armed civilian groups in Myanmar, and this was published in the Guardian. Uh, as a shout out to Jackson, I'm going to attempt to read this in Jackson's voice. <laughs> Myanmar is on the verge of a new civil war. A spokesperson for the country's parallel government has warned. As communities increasingly take up arms to protect themselves from a relentless campaign of military violence. Conflict has raged for decades in Myanmar's borders, where myriad ethnic armed groups are fighting with the military for greater autonomy. Since February's coup, however, dozens of new grassroots people's defence forces have emerged to oppose the junta, with battles occurring in areas of the country that were previously peaceful. The people of Myanmar have been left with no other choice. They just have no other option left, said Dr. Sasa, spokesperson for Myanmar's National Unity Government, which was set up by pro-democracy politicians. The constant threat of military raids, arrests, torture and killings has pushed communities to take up arms, he said. It is just the beginning. The situation will come out of control. Even if it is one man in a village, they will not just bow in front of these murderers. It is the whole country on the road to civil war, Saza said. Over the past week, tens of thousands of people have been displaced in eastern Kaya state by intense fighting between the military, the newly formed Kareneni People's Defence Force and the Kareni Army, an established ethnic armed group. On Monday evening, the military used helicopters to bomb and fire at civilian fighters. The Kareni People's Defence Force told the media, We attacked with light weapons, but they responded with artillery shells. A KPDF member told the independent news outlet, Myanmar Now. At least 58 defence forces have formed across the country, of which 12 are active, according to the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project a non-profit that tracks conflict. These groups are formed at a local level and are not necessarily officially linked to the NUG. Groups have revealed little about the nature of their training, but their resources and intensity vary. In the town of Mindat in Chin State, one of the poorest areas of the country, volunteers armed with little more than traditional hunting guns rose up against the military in May. Elsewhere, young city dwellers have fled to the jungle to learn how to make homemade explosives. Celebrities are among those who have announced that they are joining training from a former beauty queen who represented Myanmar in the Miss Grand International Contest, Hatat to Han Hatu Lin, known as Kia Piak, the lead singer of punk rock band Big Bag. In Myanmar's biggest city, Yangon, Members of the security forces have been targeted in a wave attacks over the past week, including shootings and explosions. A wedding party was also targeted, reportedly because the groom was suspected of being a military informant. Four people were killed, including the bride, after a bomb was disguised as a gift, according to local media. No one has claimed responsibility for the blasts. Schools across the country, some of which have been occupied by the military, have been bombed or set alight by unknown perpetrators. 
in what may be an attempt to reinforce the shutdown of the education system by anti-coup protesters. The junta has ordered parents to register their children to return to school, but the vast majority have not done so. More than half of the teachers working in the state schools are on strike, according to local media. The NUG, which has spoken of plans to build a new federal army, has urged anti-coup groups to follow ethical guidelines and not target schools or hospitals. It released a video on Saturday showing the first batch of Defence Force troops who have finished training. Some ethnic armed groups have offered support to anti-coup forces, though others are ambivalent. Groups could seek to exploit the coup for their own territorial gains, further complicating the crisis. Anti-coup defence forces face an infamously brutal military that has an estimated 400,000 armed personnel, making it the second largest in Southeast Asia after Vietnam's. It is supplied primarily by China and Russia, drawing on generous state funding as well as its lucrative business networks, which campaigners are trying to weaken by placing pressure on international companies. Saza is calling the international community to recognise the NUG as the official leaders of Myanmar. Doing so, he said, would help the body to demand that oil and gas companies, such as Total and Chevron, hand over payments to democratic officials rather than army generals. It is an insult to us that the gas that is from the land of Myanmar is being used by these military generals and being paid for by the Total Company or other Western companies to buy weapons from Russia and China to kill the people of Myanmar, he said. Nine neighbouring Southeast Asian countries have reportedly proposed that a draft UN resolution be weakened by removing a call for arms embargo. Saza called for like-minded countries to push the, for the measure and introduce tougher, targeted sanctions. The more international community delayed, he added, the more bloody it will become, the closer we will get to civil war and genocide. More battles are already reported to have taken place in Myanmar in the first half of 2021 than in the entirety of last year, according to ACLAD. It also tackled sharp, tracked sharp increases in reports of attacks on civilians and reports of explosions and other forms of remote violence, which include the deployment of artillery, shelling, grenades or IEDs. Previously, conflict was concentrated in the Rakhine state and the northern Shan state, but it has now spread more widely across the country. This is likely to place pressure on local commanders, said Horsey, but it is hard to know what impact it will have on the military as a whole. They are quite large. They have a lot of military resources and are not concerned at all about civilian casualties. In fact, their whole approach to internal conflict over the decades has been to deliberately target civilians as part of a quite brutal counter-insurgency strategy, Horsey said. Salizak Ungling, Deputy Executive Director of the Chin Human Rights Organization, said people from Mandat reported the military had used civilians as human shields during recent clashes. Thousands of people from the town remained stranded just as the rainy season was beginning, he said. They say they are getting very, very desperate. There has been some delivery of food aid and basic medical aid from volunteers, but there has been no large-scale delivery, he added, warning of an impending humanitarian crisis. COVID-19 is also spreading along the Indian border. 
At least 833 people have been killed by the military since it seized power in February, according to estimates by the advocacy group Assistance Association for Political Prisoners Burma. Thousands have been detained, often in unknown locations where they are at risk of torture. An activist who has met young people who were training to fight the military, who asked to remain anonymous, said volunteers believed violence was the only language the military understood. They want to scare the soldiers coming into their communities making arrests, beating and torturing, she said. Some people are hoteliers, some have their own restaurants, bars, and now they, all they have left are their businesses. One young medical student had fled to, alone to train, the activist said. She was so passionate because her friend got killed. Her place was terrorised under martial law. She saw people burning alive in front of her. That experience pushed her to pick up the gun. As it would. You know, if I, if I see people burning alive in front of me, uh, to, you know, I'll be... Uh, well, hopefully we'll be organised by then, but... Uh, yeah, this this is a um, a sad state of affair happening over in that, Myanmar. That wedding that got bombed mm, yeah. and killed the bride. Yeah, yeah. That they're they're really targeting civilians, and they're being quite blatant about um, the way they are targeting it. That's right, and um, yeah, the, 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 these um, these military grubs over there are um, you know they power at any costs and. Uh, Yes, and uh, civilians uh, get in, in the road, you know, reports of attacks on civilians and reports of explosions and other forms of remote violence, um, including deployment of uh, artillery, shelling grenades. It's the only choice they have. You know, and, it, uh, yeah, it's good that we've got an update on this, especially with the uh, land, uh, the disrupt land forces thing we talked about earlier. We covered it on our show. Yeah. This is where the the... the that's where the weapons come from. That's, that's yeah. The weapons come from from Brisbane now, you yeah. know. So so we're producing the weapons that that are are, 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 are killing these civilians, um, you know. So uh, you know, it's not it's not the type of uh, work that uh, workers should be involved with. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, hopefully uh, we'll keep the pressure up on it because this uh, this uh, current Queensland Labor government they're in love with with the jobs that, that come from. See, I'm from Ipswich. I got you got your choice. The the burgeoning industries out there are, are the waste industry or the weapons manufacturer industry. You know, there's just not that much uh, um, in, in it for uh, you know um, compassionate uh, workers of Ipswich. And uh, we're uh, up to uh, talking about events, um, and uh, there's uh, two two events that we we wanted to um, uh, chat about. Uh, the first one, um, let's it's Anti Poverty Network uh, having their general meeting on the fourteenth. Uh, it's generally a Monday night. Is that next Monday? Yes. Yes. So next Monday, 14th uh, of June at 6.30 p.m. at 74B Wickham Street, Fortitude Valley. So join uh, a- Anti-Poverty Network uh, uh, Queensland. Uh, they're organising meeting. These meetings are where we discuss the work we have been doing and strategize about where to go next. If you're looking to get involved with APN, this is a terrific place to start. The meeting will kick off at 630 
if you would like to come in early, Common House will be open for our uh, for the APN drop-in hours from 4pm. There's a library in there too if you want to come by early and take a look at the collection we've got. That's right, yeah, Jaden's normally in there but from 4pm on, on Mondays. There'll definitely be someone there if you want to have yeah. a chat about anything. If it's about... Uh, Advocacy for Centrelink, Job Seeker, the disability support. We've got people who are trained in that who can help you with that. Or if you want to know how to get more involved with like the mutual aid stalls or any of the organisations that operate out of Common House. That's right. And or if you've got a, a campaign idea um, that uh, how you want to organise workers in, in in your area, yeah, get in get in touch and. Uh, uh, attend the meeting. So that's next Monday on the 14th, 6.30pm at 74B Wickham Street, Fortitude Valley. Now, another event that we wanted to talk about, and we have been talking a fair bit about this, is the Tenants Union uh, that uh, is, is is forming. And uh, um, the, uh, the next organising meeting is 6pm uh, on the 10th. That's Thursday, is it? Yeah, this Thursday... 6 p.m. once again at 74B uh, Wickham Street, Fortitude Valley. Um, yeah, join um, uh, Anarchist Communist Mianjin uh, are, are organising this and uh, um, ha- to get the uh, Tenants Union off the ground. Very important uh, thing. Uh, um, join them for a Tenants Union organising meeting as uh, as they continue to build a direct struggle focused Tenants Union for South East Queensland. Uh, the rental crisis is here and landlords and real estates are going to continue to take advantage of us. We need to come together to fight back. All those who are non-landlords are welcome. There's also a discussion night happening at Common House. Uh, not tonight, but the following Tuesdays. That's June 15th at 6.30pm. It's a discussion night about community organisation and power. And I do believe that the housing crisis will be one of the topics that they're talking about. And just, uh, like, how to, how to organise community power. And, uh, yeah, now there's also... There's, there's another action for Deeping Creek that's happening uh, tomorrow while I'm... Uh well, I can think about it. I'll, br- I'll bring it up uh, for comrades. Um, and it's they're organising a, um, a protest at the uh, um, the the uh, offices of Fraser's. Let me have a look at if I can bring it up uh, in time. Um, uh, it'd be uh, yeah, lunchtime land rights uh, protest against uh, Deebing Creek development. Uh, so that's this Thursday. And that's uh, being held at 154 Melbourne Street, South Brisbane. And that's... What's the time on that? Uh, 12.45. Yes, so 12.45 this Thursday. Uh, Sovereign Yugarapool land defenders and their supporters have been camped out on the old Deebing Creek Mission um, site and surrounds for several years now. These courageous warriors are protecting their country from being desecrated by unsustainable suburban sprawl development that will also clear important koala habitat. Um, Fraser's property is one of three developers who are planning to develop the land around Deebing Creek. Uh, just as a side note, um, I was down Deebing Creek and, and I was out there and uh, a couple of kangaroos I, I spotted. Oh. 
Yeah, they were, they were looking at me as if to say, what are you doing here, mate? You know, it was, like, it was really good. It, it is a great. very important cause, but it's also a great day out if you just want yeah, to drive just... down there, be with the nature. That's right. And there's a lot you can learn. Yeah, so if you're in South Brisbane, you can get out and stand in solidarity on Thursday at, um, what time did I say again? 12.45. Lots of wildlife. Yeah, you've got one there, do you? I do. So uh, I decided that we should plug the Fortitude Valley mutual aid stall that APN's doing today, uh, just because it really has been building up momentum. So from about 3 to about 6 p.m. today, and this happens every second Tuesday at Fortitude Valley, there's a mutual aid stall. So if we have any listeners who are going to be going through the valley uh, this afternoon who don't have a toothbrush, you can come pick up a free toothbrush. It's just an example of some of the free necessities that we give out. And if you happen to have any extra food in your pantry and you want to donate it, you can just bring it along to the, the stall and just we just give it out for free. It's just a table full of free stuff. So, yeah, come grab some free stuff or come donate some free stuff or donate money if you have it. So that's 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. And that's near that abandoned shop near the train station. Fortitude Valley train station. You know the one. If you know the valley, you'll know. Yeah, the you one. know the big, the big so abandoned shop. Head on in, and and you can find out more details about Anti Poverty Network on their Facebook page, Anti Poverty Network Queensland. Right, uh, we all we've got left is we've got a couple of minutes left, and we're going to scallywag. You're going to talk scallywag of the week now. After the um, the the story uh, highlighted by us here earlier in the show. Um, with the old El Paso, let me let me check their other brands. What were the Latina Pasta? The Latina Pasta. Now they're owned by a company, a multinational company, may I add, named General Mills. And this, the Australian CEO of uh, General Mills is Jeff Harmoning. Jeff Harmoning. Harmoning. Now, Jeff Harmoning he's is... He's harmoning he, the workers. He likes to harmon the workers, yes. Uh, fantastic. So, a very deserved winner of uh, Scallywag of the Week, uh, especially with a name like that. Uh, um, Give him a pay rise, yeah, Jeff yeah, Harmoning. Yeah, Jeff Harmoning. You know, sacrifice your bonus. Or I'll Jeff Harmon you. You know, you, you might not be able to buy your yacht this year, but, uh, you know, your workers can get a pay rise. Oh, did the workers harmon your feelings? Yeah, they hurt their feelings. Right, well, that's the show for us. Uh, good, funny uh, scallywag to finish off. And... Uh, um, a good show. Well, thank you, Calypso. You, thank you, you, you Bill. Yes. Uh, we will see you next Tuesday. Panic. There's no reason to panic. The frantic transatlantic pandemic won't choke sunlight. China spreads lies. Open both of your eyes. It's a COVID lie to destroy from the radicals. Hell-bent radicals. Fanaticals. Yeah.
relates to this virus.